and the league have reached an agreement for the start of the 2021 season. Free agency will begin November 20th, two days after the draft. The regular season will begin December the 22nd. The salary cap is going to stay the same, 109 million. Remarkable, considering the losses. Right. I would guess the owners are pretty optimistic they can get back to producing some revenue sometime soon. Yes, they must be. I think that it's great. They've been able to pull this together, agree on all of this in such a wild time and such a short period of time because this is a situation that we've never seen before. 51 to 17, BYU beats Boise State, former BYU quarterback Tanner Mangum. Going into that game, I was a little nervous. I thought it was going to be a much tougher test than it ended up being. I thought this was BYU's big chance to show what they're capable of against a worthy opponent, if you will, more worthy than the other teams that they face. And they just took it to them. They dominated Boise State on all fronts. From start to finish, it was a testament to BYU's balance on offense and defense. It was an impressive win. And not only just to win, but to win 51-17 was just absolutely incredible. He covers the Jazz for the Salt Lake Tribune's Eric Walden. What do you think is most important for Jazz fans to keep in mind over the next little bit? The salary cap and the luxury tax line staying put should make Jazz fans hedge their bets a little bit on what's going to happen. Everyone's been hoping for the team to bring back Jordan Clarkson on the new deal, go out and acquire a veteran or two using the mid-level exception and maybe get another guy with the biannual exception. And if you look at all the money that the Jazz have committed to guys already, in order to do all of those things, this is a team that would most likely have to go into the luxury tax in order to improve this team around the margins the way that most fans are hoping. Jordan Pendleton, what is Kalani doing right? I think one good thing that Kalani did was he made some changes within the coaching staff. Nothing against anybody that was there before. I just think to make those decisions is tough. And when you're the boss, sometimes you've got to make those decisions. And I thought he brought in a really good offensive coordinator that now Zach has been able to have a couple years of experience under that offense. And so I think it's a combination of our guys maturing. And Kalani's done a really good job of making adjustments. And players love him and they'll go all out for him and love being around that atmosphere and playing for him. Radio voice of the Utah Jazz, David Locke. I want to ask you your reaction to the deal reached between the players and the owners. It's like not something the media, for whatever reason, does, kind of giving the players union credit on this. But I really do think Michelle Roberts deserves an enormous amount of credit. I mean, one, she got the escrow to 10% and instead of some mammoth number so that her players are all protected and the owners take the hit, which is probably how it should be when franchisers are selling for $1.6 billion. I thought the players probably got the better end, but the bottom line is that everyone's playing December 22nd, and that's what the league needed more than anything else. Gordon lost in Survivor Pool, and I think since you deny your ever-dying love for Los Angeles, you need to record I Love L.A., but singing it like Randy Newman. All right, all right, all okay. right, all right. You got it? Okay, are we ready? Yep. I love L.A. I kind of like that wasn't bad. I love L.A. Ooh, I like the second one even better. I love L.A. I love L.A. Way to be a good sport. I have a feeling I'm going to hear this uh, over and over. Yeah, you might get that one. I don't know if that's quite as good as... Lisa's pet name for me is Bowler. (laughs) That one is still amazing. (laughs) 
This is The Big Show with Gordon Monson and Jake Scott. Presented by Big O Tires. Stop by your locally owned Big O Tires for no credit needed financing and the best prices on winter tires. Big O Tires, the team you trust. This is 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Fantastic work by Austin Sounds of the Week right there. Brought to you by Zebra Res. The Zebra Res food drive is back. Schedule a carpet cleaning for just $33 per room. Have a food donation ready at the time of service, and Zero Res will clean a fourth room absolutely free. It's the big show. Gordon Monson, Jake Scott. Big thanks to Coach Mack for swinging by for a couple hours, as he does every Friday. We missed Dilemma, of course. He's doing the high school games on uh, the television broadcast uh, today, so uh, we missed him. But Football Fridays, Gordon, uh, always a blast. Speaking of Fridays... Another Friday staple. Are you ready? Do you have it out, the list? Is it is it full of uh, exciting things? I do have the list, and it is ready to go. All right. Without further ado, Austin, if you please. <clears throat> and now, another look into the mind of Gordon Monson. I know. We're all terrified. Let's just try to get through this together. This is Gordon's List on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Previously on Gordon's List. You want your oatmeal plain, and now you've got, like, uh, you know, the guts of a of a whale on your roof. It's the law. I like Los Angeles. Well, I mean, you were, well, you, well <laughs> <laughs> Time for Gordon's List, brought to you by Tim Daly, Nissan, Southtown. Real quick tease, we've got BT coming up at 4.30. Justin Zanuck, Jazz General Manager, will be with us at the top of the 5 o'clock hour. But, Gordon, what do you want to get to first? All right. Well, uh, first of all, let, let me just get this from you, Jake, about this whole Utah-UCLA game being canceled. That was the number one thing on my list. I know we've talked about that in the past. But what do you think about that, Jake? How are you handling it? How are you going to uh, – what, what do you think about what's going on right now with the whole COVID situation as it's, sort of, as it's affecting football, not just here re- locally, but also across the country? Uh, I'm, I'm really bummed out locally here. I mean, I, I'm disappointed we haven't seen Utah uh, play. I've, I've mentioned to you in the past I'm a little irritated that they um, did not get uh, started earlier and give themselves more – built-in flexibility. I'm frustrated uh, that uh, the college football playoff deadlines have not been pushed back. That makes no sense to me. Um, I, I think I want to see the I want to see college football continue and I want to see Utah play football. I want to see BYU keep their uh, their uh, role going and I don't know, Gordon. I'm disappointed. You know, we're not going to see a game tomorrow. I'm not questioning the judgment. Uh, you know, the, those decisions lie uh, with other people. Thank goodness, because I wouldn't want to be making them. I'm just—I got to tell you—I'm I'm disappointed, and uh, I hope to see Utah playing football at some point. Where does this leave the Utes season? Do you think? Well, it depends. I—I I wish, and they, we're seeing more momentum for this, Gordon. I, I've heard it from multiple national outlets today. Bill Hancock needs to wake up and just say, you know what? I need to be a little flexible. We need to be a little flexible because everybody needs to be a little flexible with their normal everyday routine and and give these conferences more latitude to get in more games. Yeah, I, that's a really good point. I think it's a strong point. Flexibility, that is the name of the game this season. When you have a situation like we do right now in our country and uh, as it's affecting sports, 
you've got to be flexible. You've got to be able to move things around a little bit. And I understand the money side of it and how difficult that can be. But what about the fans? What about the fans and their their, their attitude towards sports? Do you think uh, do you think we could be reaching a point where the fans don't care anymore, uh, even if there are a few games played? Oh no, I think I think fans care very very much. I, I think fans want to see their sports. I, I think that, um, you know, we've talked about uh, the relationship between a sports team and fan being a, a close one. I think that passion is still uh, very much out there. I think fans, and, and I would hope, because we're talking about college sports, and I, I personally believe that college athletes are not being exploited and that uh, they really, you know, uh, benefit from playing and participating, and that's a really positive thing in life. I think fans want to see, uh, you know, hope for players to play. They want to watch, and they want them to participate. We, you know, I, I, don't think fan, I don't think fandom is going to be shook by all this. I think fans absolutely still want to see their teams play. So even if it gets down to like three or four games, uh, you don't think that'll be much of a – sorry I'm asking all the questions. That's but fine. I'm, curi- I'm, I'm curious to, to know uh, what, you know, what effect will this have? Everybody always cares about uh, the, 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 the league uh, standings and where, what it will lead to, what, what everyone's playing for. What are they playing for if it gets down to four games? Yeah. I mean, probably the answer to that is probably not a whole lot. But I, I think the absence of it makes fans want it even more. It makes me want to see it even more. I was, uh, I mean, when, when it looked dire and BYU's whole schedule got canceled and, and the Mountain West shut it down and the Pac-12 shut it down, it made my uh, appreciation and desire to consume college football all the more greater. I don't want it to go away. I want to see it. I want to participate in it. I want to talk about it on our sports talk radio show. And I know it's unavoidable uh, to, to talk about coronavirus because it's affecting sports so much, but I'm tired of it. You know, I want to talk about, uh, uh, like, Coach Mack nerding out about the offensive line in the last segment. You know, let's bring on the offensive line talk. I'm going to apologize to Hans for playing the elevator music every time it comes up. I'm, apologies. I want to hear it. I want to hear about the three technique and stunting and twisting and I know that's defensive line, but you know I want to hear about pass sets and getting off the ball. Bring it on, bring it on. I, that's why I'm so happy that the NBA has figured it out and figured out a way to return in December. We need it. I think we need it. Well, Utah's in bad shape. ASU's in bad shape now. Herm Edwards among those who have tested positive. Games are being shifted around. Games are being canceled. Um, facilities are being shut down. I just, uh, you know, I, I have to ask myself the question, was this all a mistake? Even uh, even trying to play these games, you know, when it gets this desperate. I don't think it was a mistake, no. Hmm. I wonder what would have happened had Utah been able to play but had limited number of players. I wonder what would have happened if they'd used walk-ons and scout team guys what would that have looked like? I mean, they could have gotten to the point. What would have happened? I saw that Josh Newman had, had, had brought this up in one of his articles. Could that have meant that, like, a freshman quarterback, quarterback like Cooper Justice could have played against UCLA? Could have. I don't know. I don't know who was going to be available. Yeah, me neither. We, we have me no neither. idea. But yeah, I bet some. We talked to Christian Cox about it the other day. Uh, I bet there were some uh, walk-on players or freshman players that were pretty juiced about the opportunity to get out there and play uh, against UCLA. But at least they would have played. 
you know? Yeah. Yeah, I don't if it, if it does get down to three and four games and things like that, then you just got to enjoy football for football's sake being exactly. played. Exactly. But what about the I mean, at some point you wonder, do the players how do the players feel about it? We I know they want to play. They want to play. But are we is it getting to the point where we're just sort of utilizing this in a way that is is wrong? Not in you my opinion. I mean? What do you mean? Not really. What are, what are you I, I just mean putting all these guys through all this. Yeah, they want to play because that's what they want to do. But I, I, I wonder if at some point authorities should swing in and say, "Look, guys, just like uh, just like uh, Mark Harlan was asked today during the press conference, is there is there a breaking point where you just say, okay, let's not do this. Let's not even try to do this. It's uh, putting too many people at risk, and it's just not working." Well, I don't think it's putting people uh, any more risk than they would be anyway. In fact, I think it's less. So I, I, I don't know. I, I would hope that's not the direction it, it goes. That's I wouldn't agree with that if that was their their reasoning. But again, I'm not I'm not making the decisions here. I, I go All back right. to uh, Angela Dunn yesterday during your press conference, Gordon. I didn't know if you I don't know if you caught this. I did not. But she said uh, that, and I was so happy she did this. She said that there was one segment of the population in Utah where we have not seen a spike. You know what that segment of the population is? No, I don't. What is? High school athletes. Huh. And she said, she said, congratulations to them. And I'm so happy she gave them a shout out. I thought that was so great. And she said, she used this. She said, we should use these high school athletes as an example because they're motivated to behave correctly because they want to play. How and are she they doing? Said, she said that people need to find in themselves their, their sport, what they're doing it for, how they're uh, adjusting their lives, what, why are they doing it. And, and in this case of these high school athletes, they're doing it because they want to play. And I, I really think there's something to that. I really do. Well, I don't want to point the finger at anybody who has had the misfortune of, of getting this virus because sometimes it's not their fault. You know, they, I mean, it sounds accusatory, doesn't it? It definitely does. But uh, and that's not that's not how I mean it. So how are these are they, these what you're saying is that these high school players are motivated? Yes, exactly. Well, and, and that's what Dr. Dunn said, by the way. That's not just me saying it. They're they're, they're motivated. You know, it, it, when it comes specifically to young people, uh, you know, Gordon, in their early 20s, of course, we can remember how we were. And it, it was different than how yeah. we are now. And certainly in high school, that that's the case. But, you know, maybe in these high school students, when, uh, it, you know, their buddy calls up and says, hey, we're doing a, an underground kegger. Come on over. <laughs> you know, that that athlete goes, you know what? I'm going to stay home tonight. I'm good. I got a, I got a game on Friday. You know, I got a, I, I, I really want to show out. I really want to play well. And so, you know what? I'm going to hang out here and uh, and catch uh, um, uh, Dick Van Dyke on the old rerun machine. Well, it's interesting that you bring that up because I, I do know of certain players who have been out. Um, what's the word? Socializing. They're not going to big parties or anything, but they're hanging out with their friends. And and I don't know. I don't know if that's is that a good thing or a bad thing, given the fact of the way things are right now. I, and I know of that personally because I know certain players. Well, you know? I, I don't know about about certain player stories. I just thought it was I thought it was really cool. I'm not talking about high school. I'm talking about yeah, college. I got you. But, but I just thought it was really cool. Dr. Dunn gave that shout out and used them as an example. Yeah, that it can be done. Because, I mean, the young people in this in this situation, especially lately, have just been shamed so much. And maybe they have it coming. I don't know. But I, I was just happy to see 
you know, somebody like Dr. Dunn, whose opinion really matters in this thing, point to that population, give them an attaboy and say, yeah. look, we need to find our sport, whatever that is in our lives, uh, to motivate us to alter our behavior. And I, I thought that was really, really cool. And I think that can be absolutely true at the college level as well. And I know Utah's going through what they're going through, but maybe this is uh, to, to redouble the efforts. This is like, okay, guys, we've had some, some leaks in the vessel. But if yeah. we want to play against USC, we got to button it up. Okay. And I think that's positive. And you asked me uh, uh, if they should have done it in the first place. Let me tell you this. I don't think where we are societally and in this community is here because we allowed college football to play. All right. I'll go on down my list. Uh, Let's go to the Masters. Uh, I got some guys at the top of the leaderboard that I've never heard of, Jake. Do you know, I don't even know. I don't even know how you say this guy's name. This answer, right? How do you say his name? Do you know him? I've never heard of him. It's pronounced Abraham. <laughs> the other name. No, that's his first name. Yeah, Abraham. the other name. Yeah. How do you say his last name? Uh, answer sounds right to me. I, I I can't say that I'm I'm familiar with his work. A fellow named Smith. Cameron Smith. Yep. I, I I don't know him. Justin Thomas, obviously, no. Dustin Johnson up there. Uh, all of these guys are tied at nine under right now. Not yeah, sure. the scoring was uh, the to be had at the Masters today. I wonder if if it's playing those greens are soft. We talked about the you know the weather a couple of days ago. Seemed like we saw some really good scores today. I mean, uh, Patrick Cantley was six under par for the day. Uh, uh-huh. Danny Willett was six under today. Tommy Man, Fleetwood was, was six under today. If you could play well on any golf course, isn't that one of the ones you would pick? Uh, I mean, only, I, only behind Nibley. <laughs> <laughs> Depends who I'm playing and for how much. It's uh-huh. number two on the list. <laughs> Nibley will always be one. Uh, you haven't quite mastered Nibley? Uh, no, I, <laughs> okay. I, I still, it still needs work. Nice use of the word master there. I like that. Uh, I, I just, if I, if I was one of those days when you're feeling it, and these guys obviously do that too. I mean, we, we have experienced that as uh, at a very low level of playing golf, but these guys experience it too. And when you've got it going on and it happens to be at Augusta during the Masters, that must be just a tremendous feeling. And, and this uh, guy, Abraham Answer? From Mexico, mm-hmm. that's leading the, the. He's only been in four events ever. Wow! This is his that's fourth amazing. event. Talk about dealing with pressure. Like, hey, yeah, I'm just going to go out there and lead the Masters. We'll Take swing that. back around. We'll swing back around on the Masters on the list uh, and give updates and whatnot. But uh, that—that's what's going on right now. All those guys tied at nine under, which I think is kind of cool that they're going head to head like that. I want to get into some basketball stuff, and we have Justin Zanin coming up at five o'clock. So we'll we'll save the Jazz talk and, until after we hear from him. But did you see that the Knicks reportedly are willing to take on Russell Westbrook's contract? Because of course they are. What, what, what is I that? Thought, I thought with Leon Rose at the helm there with New York, things might uh, might uh, look a little different. But I, I don't know why you would add a player like that to uh, a young, developing roster like that because you're just going to take the ball out of your young player's hands and then still not have any wins to show for it. Yeah, I don't I, know why I, anybody would trade for Russell Westbrook. I really don't. I was a little surprised at that. Another question. I'm sorry. I'm just firing these at you and going down the list. Does Victor Oladipo want to stay or go? <laughs> well, his agent was certainly out there selling it today. Uh, do you want to give the background on this or do you want me to? 
Well, I thought he wanted to go, but then all of a sudden I was reading today that he supposedly wants to stay with the Pacers. What, what have you heard? Well, okay. Well, here's the backstory because the story came out yesterday that during, uh, uh, while while in the bubble, Victor Oladipo was going up to every team that he played and basically saying, <laughs> come get me. <laughs> basically saying, hey, don't you think I'd be a good fit on your team? And so there was that report out there yesterday. And then on, a, on Sirius XM Radio today, his agent had this to say, Gordon, quote, no, like he didn't say anything like that at all. And to think that Vic, anybody that knows him very closely and how competitive he is and how much pride he has in what he does, he's walking around the floor saying to people, come and give, uh, come get me. It's just completely <laughs> crazy. There's no truth to it, and I don't believe it for one second. And I mean, some of the teams named in there, I'm not going to take a shot at any of the teams, but Vic wants to win a championship. He wants to bring a championship <laughs> to Indy, of course, and uh, or if he's not in Indy, he wants to win at a high level see on the one on the one side i think i can see a player maybe mentioning it something you know just out of curiosity but to go around selling yourself the way that was presented that's hard to believe oh i think the agent is full of it i want to we've seen the the rumors you think the agent was going around perpetrating all this no, no, no. I, I think that Oladipo has made – there's been trade rumors around him, as you refer to, for like months now. And I, I, I absolutely believe that he was doing that in the bubble. And then it gets loose in the press, and the agent goes, oh, man, we uh, mm, can't have this. Uh, uh, get me okay. on the radio immediately. Hold, okay, Austin, do you believe – I mean, I know we know Jake is a little on the skeptical, the cynical side. Are you buying that too? Do you think that's what happened, or are you – not so sure. Uh, you always ask Jake, would you bet your life on it? I would bet my life on the fact that that's exactly what is going on. Yeah. Okay. Okay. I just want to get one more thing in this segment real quick. Okay. We've got BT next. I know. Marlins hire Kim. How do you say it, Austin? Is it Ning? I believe so. I, I admittedly had never heard of her until today. I did not know her either. Has uh, been hired as the general manager of the Marlins the first female GM in Major League Baseball history, not just in Major League Baseball history, but in any major sport in the U.S., if you want to say it that way. That sounds a little condescending. But anyway, she's been an assistant GM with the Yankees and the Dodgers, and she worked in the league office. I think this is a good, good move. Everything I've read about her, I think this is cool. Yeah, I think it's great. And and uh, I'm happy that uh, she's getting an opportunity. I hope she succeeds. hope she's shrewd. Hope she's a great GM. Hope she does so well that the Angels pay her a billion dollars a year to fix our team. <laughs> I, I, well, my team, too. Uh, no, not I've, your team. I've read that Derek Jeter really uh, really likes her and thinks highly of her. I think that's pretty cool. All right, I've got bad news coming up next, but I'm going to save it. Oh, wait, we got BT. Yeah. I got bad news coming up after BT. By the way, Mike tweets in. He says, "100% not a Abraham answers fourth start, maybe fourth Masters." Yeah, says, yeah, yeah, been yeah. Around a long time. I was trying to find a place to. I've already why? texted my buddy that sent me that info and excommunicated him from my life. So. Why well, do I don't not, know? Why, I why do I not know this guy? I mean, you know how you see these names that that, that pop up every so often at a major and all that stuff. I've I've never seen this guy's name before. All right, coming up next, we'll ask BT about him. Stay tuned. Ninety-seven five and twelve eighty of the zone. This is DJ and PK. All brand new. 
Yogi Roth joins us now. I didn't spend a lot of time in Salt Lake City prior to joining the Pac-12 network because it wasn't in the Pac-12 conference. Now being in it, I mean, I think it's the best city for college football in the Pac-12 footprint because it's a city, number one. You know, it's a big city. And you guys talk football year-round. I hate to say it, but it's like the SEC feel in college athletics, specifically football. And the difference is in the SEC, there's not much going on in a lot of those communities in the offseason. For you guys, there's a ton happening. And you're still talking who's going to win the quarterback derby in January or in June. And I, I just love that. Catch DJ and PK mornings from 6 till 10 on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Up to The Zone phone we go. Joining us now, Ryan, from The Dish Professionals. And if you haven't uh, addressed your TV situation in a while, you would be shocked as what's out there as far as programming and technology. And, and your odds are you're paying too much for this outdated stuff. Luckily, Ryan from The Dish Professionals can help you. And we have a great drawing going on right now with Zone listeners. Right, Ryan? That is right. You know, I love all the things you say. It really would be crazy to miss out on this, especially, you know, I put the icing on the top. If uh, if you have an older system, let's say you got your, your system a number of years ago, if you're for sure out of contract or out of uh, any pro- pro- promotional prices, and then your price just goes up every year. And that's kind of a normal thing. It's not necessarily... Uh, the cable company or DirecTV's uh, dishes fall up on there. The, the the channels, they just charge more and so water rolls downhill. But uh, here's the thing. If you sign up a dish right now, we're seeing this constantly. People have like $80, $90 overpayment to what they'd be paying for dish. It's, it's constant all the time. So the opportunity is you call us up, we're going to save you a bunch of money. You'll get the same channels. So you're going to see everything that you can see now. Um, you may even add some channels like the Pac-12 network and differently, different things like that. But here's the thing. We'll get you the, the channels. The programming it will be awesome. You'll get a two-year price guarantee. Now, that is with a promotion. So you get a promotional discount price for the next two years, and the price is not guaranteed to change. So if you're saving 80 90 bucks a month, it's going to be $100, $110 a month, really, because by the time you add those price increases in, so you're set in, you're locked in, you get movie channels for free. You get a system that is integrated with so many cool things like Netflix and YouTube and Amazon Video Prime. It's got a doorbell uh, camera option in there. It's got the voice remote, which just changes it, makes it simple. When you're looking for movies, looking for an actor, you can just say the name, say John Cusack, and see how many how many great shows pop up on Dish On Demand that are just there for you to watch. And, um, guys, it's easy to do. Call us up, just 424-DISH. Tell us what you currently have. We'll get you set up and installed as early as tomorrow, Saturday, and have you uh, set up with the best price guarantee. Plus, we'll set you up with dinner at JCWs. Plus, we're giving away 1000 bucks. And, guys, I'll tell you, this is a legit cool deal that we're doing, and the odds are really good. So if you call in and you kind of will it like Spencer Hiller did in West Bountiful, our first winner, say you're going to win. Maybe you'll get the 1000 bucks too, but you got to call us, and uh, let's get you taken care of. 424-DISH is the number. It's 801-424-DISH. 801-424-DISH. Thanks, Ryan. 801-424-DISH. More next, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone.
Big Show, Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Time for a, uh, for a Uinta Golf Masters update with our buddy Brian Taylor. It's brought to you by Mountain Land Supply, Zions Bank, Hoops Vision, Siegfried and Jensen, and Black Desert Resort. Of course, you hear him every Saturday morning on Real Golf Radio. He's our friend Brian Taylor. BT, what's cracking? Hey, how you know, we're almost to the halfway point. I would say normally we are this time of the, you know, on a Friday, but uh, we're, we're like... Would it be like a one and a one and a half, one and three quarters, not quite to two, uh, with uh, still several 48 players out there to finish tomorrow morning their second round. But pretty nice looking leaderboard, huh? Yeah, no doubt about it. Um, Except for I don't know how to pronounce the guy who's the leader. Uh, well, tied for the lead. at least alpha- alphabetically. <laughs> answer is that how you say it? And the answer is correct. Oh. Tell us about him, BT. Abraham Answer. So Abraham Answer, he kind of jumped onto the scene um, when he he's he's of Mexican descent and American as well. I believe he's both, and he and he goes he plays under the Mexican flag, and he really jumped out in the Presidents Cup last year. He he had a really good Presidents Cup going, and he said, in fact, it was about this time of year, and he said he wanted Tiger in singles. You remember that? And so he. He got Tiger. Uh, what do you know? Um, he Tiger was the captain, and Tiger put him against himself against Answer and, and as a playing captain, and went out and, and uh, promptly beat him. And you remember the meme that was created? Tiger hit that putt on the last hole to close him out, and it was kind of a long breaker, and it dropped in the hole, and that was it. And he walked over and shook his hand, and they start, they started changing it to where it looked like as soon as he when it was about halfway there, Tiger was taking his hat off and shaking his hand before it even went in. And uh, so, but but look, you gotta love the guy. I mean, Abraham answers. Uh, he's a winner on tour. He's got a lot of confidence. He uh, he wanted to take you know Tiger, and and uh, you know he. He didn't beat him, but, you know, I think that's all good experience. And here he is tied for the lead. Pretty good place. First time he's ever been in a lead or co-led uh, at the 36 hole mark. Is he a younger guy or has he been around? Yeah, so, uh, gosh, you guys are going to make me delve, like, full into the bio here. But uh, he is a little <laughs> bit younger. He's got, you know, he's, he's uh, I think he's probably in his in his 20s. Um, I could probably tell you that if you gave me enough he's time. But, uh, 29. There you go. There you go, 29. All right. Uh, BT, uh, want to ask you about uh, Bryson DeChambeau because I was just I had some highlights going on in in the background here. He had a seven today. What happened to him? Yeah, he's had two triples. Well, two sevens. Uh, one was a double. One was a triple. But uh, yeah, so it, it, you know, I, <laughs> I I can't say that I wasn't exactly rooting for the guy. Um, you know, he came, he came in pretty uh, bold with his statement of his his Bryson Parr is 67 and he's just going to dismantle this golf course and on and on. But uh, he's, he it hasn't exactly happened. In fact, the golf gods have, uh, have have got him a little bit. I don't know how else to explain it. You know, on on the the third hole today, which is a short 335 yard. Um, par four. In fact, he, I think he said at one point in time in a practice round, he hit three wood over the green. Well, he hit driver up the left side of the green and it landed in the, the second cut there. And it was, um, it plugged essentially. It was, it, there's, I don't know how, there's a lot of water. It's a low area. And of course they've had a lot of water this week from rain and they never found the golf ball. So there was nothing he could do about it. He had huh. to go back and reach. He ended up making triple uh, when he was literally 30 yards off the green. Probably would have made par at worst, and most likely wedges it up there close enough to make a birdie. So, um, again, you know, I, I just 
I kind of felt bad for him. He looked a little dejected walking out there today. You know, he's bought into this approach 110%. He's put everything into it. And and you got to give him credit. The guy has put in the work, and he is believing that he can change the game, revolutionize his body, revolutionize his game, and go out there and do things that other guys have never been able to do and take lines off the tees that guys haven't been able to take. And and it's just, you know, it's not working out for him this week. But um, whether he'll have the, the touch, if you will, to win at the Masters at some point in time doesn't look like it's going to be this week. But um, obviously he's the reigning U.S. Open champ, and you can't take that away from him. BT, how would you uh, evaluate Tiger's position right now? He's four under. He still has, I, I guess I understand, eight holes left to complete his round number two. Is, yeah, he, is, he, is he in good position or is it uh, getting away from him? Well, it's unfortunate that he's at even par uh, for the round today, four under for the tournament. Uh, you know, he, he went uh, four birdies, no bogeys in the first round, and he's had a couple of bogeys here in the second round and uh, just not quite as sharp. He birdied two and then bogeyed three uh, with a three putt. And then he bogeyed seven and bounced back with a birdie at eight, par five. So uh, that that's really where it stands. Two bogeys, two birdies. He's just off the left side of the fairway uh, in that, uh, we don't call it rough at Augusta, but that first cut there. And, and he's going to have a tough shot into 11, uh, green. I mean, he's coming up the left side, so he's carrying the water. And um, so we'll see how he plays. But he hasn't quite been as sharp. What he did yesterday was spectacular. Uh, and, and he was, what, three shots off the lead at the end of the day? And before he teed off, he was five, six, five shots off the lead. Uh, so, you know, it, he, he, had, he has some work to do. He does still have some holes. Obviously, 13 and 15 are very gettable. Um, Tiger can make some birdies coming in and get himself. Again, he's four under par. If he can get himself to, you know, six. Seven, I think he'll be right there in the mix, but um, that, that, that's what he's got in front of him. Um, he's tied for 22nd currently. That shows how much it's bunched up, you know, from nine under par. Let's not forget John Rom still has some holes to play, and it looks like you know he's five under on his round and one shot back, and wouldn't surprise him if he gets to 10 before uh, his second round is complete. So Tiger's probably going to be, you know, six shots off the lead. He's going to have to make up a little bit of ground to stay within striking distance. But super impressed with Tiger and his play this week as – you know, we really haven't seen any form out of him since he won 19 months ago at the Masters in uh, 19 April of 19. BT, you mentioned striking distance, and there are four players at the top of the leaderboard at, at uh, nine under, as we've been talking about. But the way that they're scoring, how far back is too far back? Yeah, DJ said after his round, look, you got to get out there and go low. Um, it's, you know, the, the golf course is so soft. And I, it's really not the Masters. Nor, you know, I mean, I mean, we wondered how will it be different this time of year. In fact, there were some who said it, it could actually be firmer and faster uh, because of the cool weather and the winds and things like that. And typically, there's actually less precipitation in November than there is in April. And so there was all this talk leading into it. We wondered um, the real the real kicker was is what was this overseeded ryegrass going to do? Well, temperatures have stayed hot. Uh, we got a lot of rain this week. And the, the ryegrass isn't fully grown in. And so you still have a lot of Bermuda out there. It, it's kind of splotchy, uh, especially compared to Augustus. You, have, don't, you don't have the tight lies. It's not as fast. The greens are certainly slower and softer. And so you're seeing guys throw darts, you know, at pins when normally, I mean, I saw a shot with a three wood into 15 today hit on the back side of the hole, which is on the back left side. Normally that takes a huge hop and is in danger of going into the pond on 16 behind it. And it's stuck. You know, and you just don't you don't see that. I think we had a conversation earlier in the week where 
most of the time, guys, if they want to get close to the flag at Augusta, they're firing away from the flag and be able to use the slopes in order to, to bring the ball back to the hole. And to see guys just step up and throw darts and have it stick is just it's not the it's not normally what you see here. So all of the stats and everything we've thrown out and all the history and the thoughts and the trends and all that, I, I'm not so sure it's going to play out. So a long answer to your question, Jake, it's hard to say how far is too far back. 63 is the tournament low round. Um, is that in play this week? I think it is, you know, depending on how dry it can get. Uh, I think, guys, somebody could get hot and fire and, and uh, you know, reel off a bunch of birdies. So I, I really think, is, you know, there's no 10-shot rule this week. Normally they, they have a 10-shot rule to make the cut. That's not in play. It's only the top 50. So I, I would say anyone within seven or eight shots going into the weekend with the conditions, if they get hot, they're certainly capable of, of, of mounting a charge and, and, and making a run at this thing. PC, you're uniquely positioned to answer this question, so let me ask you, because you've played that course. Which is more difficult, the front nine or the back? Um, I, I think I think typically the front nine has a little bit higher scoring average. Um, really? You know, you yeah. I mean, one is one is a is a really hard hole. Typically, um, maybe one of the toughest greens. Two is fairly easy from a par five perspective. Three is a yeah, fairly easy short par four, but four is super hard long par three. Uh, five is a really difficult hole. Six is a hard par three. Seven is a tight little driving, even though it's short and a really difficult green. Eight is a pretty easy hole, and then nine's. Nine's a really difficult green. So when you look at from that standpoint, I, I think the front nine is a little tougher. The back nine, 10 is difficult and 11, but then, and, and 12 can be, right? I mean, it's certainly, as they call it, a, the prettiest little graveyard, <laughs> which, I, which is kind of telling about, about 12. But then you get 13, you can take advantage of. 14, you know, not necessarily a birdie. Oh, 15, you can take advantage of. 16, you can make birdie. 17, you can make birdie. And 18, you can make birdie. So I, I do think that it's uh, the, the back nine is set up a little bit more for scoring than the front nine. And which of those holes do you think is the most famous? Uh, I mean, 12's got to be the most famous par three in golf. Um, I, I think it, my favorite hole out there, I don't know if that means it's the most famous, is 13. I just think with the three big white bunkers around that and the Braves Creek cutting in front and the fact that it's a, you know, had so many exciting shots, uh, you know, I'm, I, Amen Corner is, is the, you'd have to say, is the most famous part of the golf course. So it'd have mm-hmm. to be one of those holes. And I think it's probably a toss up between 12 and 13. I, it's so super subjective. You could, you could throw that out there. It'd be a good trivia question for uh, for some social. What a great name for uh, a grouping of holes, right? Amen Corner. <laughs> a, Herbert Warren Wind. Yeah, it's a classic. Yeah, yeah. Bring you to your knees, man. You you, you just you pray and hang on. And uh, there's been so many so many times that players have come up. I mean, can you believe four of the five four of the five? I think in the in the final groups uh, last year, all all got wet. You know, on twelve, and Tiger was the one that smartly hit it over the middle of that bunker and. And and he went on to win. I mean, that's experience. And I remember asking Tony last year, I was like, well, tell me what you hit on 12, because he hit it in the water, too. And he said, I hit a chip cut nine. And I just winced. And I was like, no, no cut. Chip nine's fine. Just no cut this time. Just hit that chip nine right over the top of that bunker and two putt for your par and move on, and you're still in this thing. So, yeah, it's 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 crazy. It's a tough little hole, especially when the wind swirls in there and, and the green jacket's on the line. BT, thank you so much. Uh, you and Bob do such a great job covering these events for uh, for the station. And I've already got my alarm clock set. I'll be up bright and early to get me some real golf radio fix in the morning. I appreciate it. I had a chance to catch up with Tony uh, to hear his thoughts uh, playing and how different he thinks the golf course plays. 
And uh, we have a couple of our media friends uh, joining us as well who are back there. It'll, it'll be fun. We'll be breaking it all down and getting you ready for the weekend at the Masters. Thanks, BT. You got it. All right, there you go. That's our friend Brian Taylor, uh, Real Golf Radio, every single Saturday morning. Jay, do you think Tony has any lingering effects from that from that dislocated foot thing? Austin and I were just laughing about that last break. I mean, uh, John Romney saw him skip that hole-in-one off the pond in the yeah. par-3 contest, and mm-hmm. we, we were remembering Tony. It seems like something wild always happens in that par-3. It just seems like that's not something that just goes away and you never have to deal with it again. I wonder, you know? I don't know. Uh, did he? Did he eventually? I think he eventually had surgery on it, didn't he? Maybe oh, I'm wrong. I'm not know. sure. All right, uh, we've got an sports report coming up next. Justin Zanuck at five. Stay tuned. Ninety-seven five and twelve eighty the zone. Big show. Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Time for the Not Sports Report, brought to you by the LHM Used Car Supermarket. Over 1,000 used vehicles and inventory. Shop online, LHMUsedCars.com. Gordon, where are we going today? Uh, <laughs> Austin just said I have bad news, but that's not for the Not Sports Report. That's for the continuation of the list. Okay. I can't wait. I found a story. Here, that might just be a story, but apparently there is a story that exists, a ghostly myth of the HMS Friday, a ship uh, from back in the day in Britain that uh, set sail on Friday the 13th and was never heard from again. And I thought, since it's Friday the 13th, um, the uh, legend should be told by me now. Uh, the ship you was... Start stories, Miss Turner. You're in one. <laughs> I love that line. The bone-chilling tale began in the 1800s, made up by sailors who were notoriously superstitious about beginning voyages on a Friday, as it was certain to bring bad luck, Jake. According to the legend, the British Royal Navy tried to dispel the sailor's myth and built a ship named Her Majesty's Ship Friday. And building the vessel is said to have begun on the Friday. The crew was selected on a Friday and was even under the command of Captain James Friday. Are you creeped out yet? No. (laughs) You're no fun. You're no fun at all. All was well, Jake, until HMS Friday set sail on her maiden voyage on Friday the 13th, only to never be seen or heard from again. It's a tale as old as time and continues to be told by those wanting to overcome the superstitions connected to Friday the 13th. So so let me get this straight for, for just one second. If the captain of this boat was named Carl Thursday, they would have returned to port That's safely. Captain Carl Thursday! <laughs> you scallywag! <laughs> uh, okay. You know, it just kind of bothers me that you have no superstitious bone in your body. I just don't. I'm sorry. The story might not be true. I, I, I don't. I'm not sure. Likely if it's true. not true. <laughs> but get, get Bob Tuesday on the phone. He's going to skipper this vessel. According to the Royal Navy Museum. 
They say that sailors, this is a quote, sailors certainly are superstitious, something to do with being at the mercy of such an unpredictable element as the sea. And who would want to give up a weekend ashore? But we can confirm that there has never been a Royal Navy ship named HMS Friday. Who named these? Mr. Rogers, (laughs) Prince Tuesday and King Friday and Captain Wednesday. Oh, come on. It's a good story. It's a good story. I believe it more than some of your stories. Yeah, like your story, it's a tall tale. <laughs> like we hear a lot on uh, on this show. <laughs> oh man, you know, really, Austin. If if uh, today's Friday thirteenth, if there was a ladder, would you walk under it? No. If there was a black cat, would you cross its path? No, but it, it, I think we've established here on these airwaves, on this show, during this time period every day, that it doesn't matter what I do, bad luck will find me. <laughs> Well, that's what I thought. I thought you were a son of Friday the 13th. I just I right. just you sometimes wonder, like, with all the advancements in science over the years, that uh, we're, we're still talking about black cats and, and ladders. I mean, of, of all Sounds the, like uh, someone who needs to open an umbrella inside every once in a while, huh, Gordon? Of all the <laughs> enlightenment as to how this world works that we've gone through over the past you know, 150, 200 years, we're still talking about cats. I bet you're the type of person that walks on cracks and breaks his mother's back, aren't you? Well, did you notice during the World Series, the players that were walking out on the field, they always stepped over the line? Yeah, I've always thought that was ridiculous. You know what what that is? That's a courtesy to the groundskeeper as far as I'm concerned. (laughs) I bet Austin observes that that, uh, bit of advice, don't you? Oh, yeah, for sure. I've got rabbit's feet and and horseshoes and and all the things. It doesn't matter. You know how that that line— We should have asked Mac about this because Mac would fall in on the superstitious side in a major way. You know all those stories about him. The, the, I mean, the, the rubber ball necklace, yeah, we heard it all. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he, he does all that stuff. You know and how that, that chalk thing started? I almost guarantee you. How? Some grumpy old groundskeeper is sitting there like, oh, these, <laughs> Don't step these on the kids. Line. Tell you what I work, get these lines straightened down, and all they're doing is walking all over them. Great hey, googly moogly. Hey, kids, let me come on over here and let me spin you a yarn about the, the, the kid that stepped on the, the, uh, the chalk. <laughs> and ever then, heard of the little Timmy? Yeah. <laughs> what? Stepped on my foul line two seasons ago. Never was heard from again. Gave up a grand slam to lose he, the game in the bottom he, of the ninth. He jumped aboard the HMS Friday. Was never seen again. Captain by Captain Friday. See, I, I, I'm more want to believe this story, Gordon, than your <laughs> left-handed bases empty grand slam. That, that I swear told. to you that is true. I swear to you. I cannot say it any more emphatically. Well, when you're, I a, swear. When you're a 10th grader and playing against 8-year-olds. <laughs> then he peeled out in his firebird no. Trans Am. It was actually, was like, <laughs> it was actually coach pitch. <laughs> <laughs> the coach lobbed See you one later, suckers. <laughs> no, no. And I wasn't in 10th grade and the kids were eight. Okay. What do you think I am, hey, a bully? Let's, let's wrap this inning up. I got a date tonight. Uh, Austin, I he thought I'd have an hour. He got to home gotten the catcher's face. <laughs> Sucker. I thought I thought you'd be an ally with me on this HMS Friday story. No. <laughs> I, I'm not getting on any ship named Friday or otherwise. So. <laughs> oh, man. All right. We've got the general manager of the Utah Jazz joining the show next. Do not go anywhere. Justin Zanuck straight ahead on the big show. 97.5 and 1280 The Zone.